Hey there. You're listening to Deadhead Girl Talk. I'm Steph Terrace in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and I'm coming to you from my home today on a face-to-face interview with my neighbor Lisa. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you. And uh, we're going to chat about Lisa's experience of finding the dead and seeing the dead and making it part of your why don't you start with the story about how you became a deadhead? Yeah, I love the story. Um, so when I was in college, there was a friend, a dear friend from Ann Arbor, actually, who loved the dead, only played those old tapes that had terrible sound and all the show tapes and would play it over and over and over. That's all he played. He wore a vest that had a steal your face on the back and just absolute, well, true deadhead, that's what it would say. And I knew nothing about them. And just was so fascinated that he was so, just loved them so much that it became such a huge part of everything he did. And come to find out he had never actually been to a show, which is strange because you're a deadhead, half of it is the show. Right, so. Um, and what about, what year about was this? So this was uh, 84. 586. Okay. So anyway, he I find out he didn't go to any shows yet, and he was about to go to a show as soon as school got out, which was so exciting, and we were all rooting for him. Tell us how it goes. And we got out of school for the summer. He went fishing with his dad, and he drowned the week before he was going to go to his first show. That is so sad. What, I know. Actually, it makes me tear thinking about it, because it was... It was just horrific, obviously. Um, And in my head, I said, I will go for him. I will go for you, Wally, one day. And I wasn't ready to go right away. It was just very emotional. There was a lot going on. And so it was there. It was tucked in my head. And um, I moved off to Chicago. And somebody said, hey, this band, the Grateful Dead, are playing in Wisconsin at Alpine Valley. Does anyone want to go? I said, yes, this is my time. I'm going to go for Wally. So I got to go to the Alpine 89 shows. And had you still never listened to the music at that no, point? No, I still knew nothing. I knew nothing. Because my experience was just these tapes. It never sounded pleasant. It, it wasn't, it, yeah, I, I just hadn't. So I went. And so you thought this was just a one and done kind yes, of? Yes, yeah. I'm going to go to this concert. It was obligatory almost. Like, you know, I will do this. So I went, and I will never forget pulling into the parking lot and looking around, and I have goosebumps talking about it, and thinking, why is this such a secret? Why isn't everybody here? I can't believe this exists, and it's been all around me, and I've had no idea. It it seemed like such a secret. And what was it that you were feeling or noticing? People dancing and laughing and being, just being who they are. Um, People walking up and handing me gifts. And when they would find out it was my first show, they would give me a necklace or a T-shirt. Or I came, I left with like so much stuff. (laughs) It was just such a... You had the newbie swag. I had the newbie swag. And it just, to me, was so magical. And... We continued walking through the parking lot. Of course, we had shakedown, and it just was all so new and magical is the word I I come up with. Um, 
so we finally make our way in and the music starts and again I have this feeling like I'm home like this is my I was meant to be here and I I remember looking up and just saying thank you Wally I did this for you but actually you did it for me like this is my new space this is the one place I actually feel where I am absolutely 100% me I it's a feeling I get every time I still go to the shows. It's the only place on the planet where I really feel like I am me on my own. Here I am. I, I, yeah, magical. You can give me goosebumps. I know. I, I do have goosebumps because I, I remember it so clearly. And that when they started playing, the drum, my first drums in space, I thought, how do they lift you off the ground with music, spin you around, and then gently set you right back down to where you were. Mm-hmm. And you, in that moment, though, when you were spinning around, you had this experience that you'll never have again, you've never had before, and it changes who you are. You, you leave every show a different person you, in some way. Mm-hmm. Do you dance? I dance. Yes, I dance. I'm not a spinner. I, I actually can't not. I, I have to dance. Um, and there is a point where my, I do tend to shake my head back and forth. And I, every once in a while, I knock myself out of the trance and open my eyes like, whoa, like I've been shaking my head a long time. I haven't looked around and seen what's going on. I'm going to have a quick peek and go back to my space. <laughs> That's wonderful. What a gift. It, yes. Yes. I know. It, it just so I don't know that I would have ever gone. Did you go to more than one show at that Alpine Valley? Yes, we did, yeah. Um, I believe it was three. Mm-hmm. And I woke up, the, I would wake up in the morning, come on, let's go back, let's go. I didn't want it to end. It was just wonder, just magical. Who did you go with? So there was a, my boyfriend at the time, and he had a friend who lived uh, near Lake Geneva, and we stayed with him. And were they already deadheads? They were, mm-hmm. yes. They so were. that's curious, too, that you had started dating somebody who... Yes. I guess I wouldn't call him a true deadhead. He had been to shows, and um, he he liked the experience, but I wouldn't say he was a true deadhead. What makes for a true deadhead? It's in your heart and everything. You, it's everywhere you go. It just is you, where I think it's different if you go to a show and say, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I wonder, let's go see someone else next week. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a little different. It, you can appreciate it, but it's not in your being. And it was in your being from the start. From the start, yes. What happened after that in your life that continued your commitment? Yeah, so soon after that, um, I did meet my husband. I met him in London, and he came back, and followed me back to Chicago and wanted to take me around the world. He bought two round the world tickets and said, let's go. And I said, I actually have a better idea. <laughs> let's buy a Volkswagen bus and let's drive around the country and I can show you this band. And we did. Was it a better idea than going around the oh, world? Oh, yes. I, and I said, plus, if we're going to have this relationship, I need to know that you like the, it's, it is part of my life and I, I want somebody who appreciates it, and I want you to see our country, and we could, uh, you know, check it out, and we did. Tell me a little about that trip. Yeah. Um, So we bought this bus, 
that broke down before we got out of Chicago and probably every 50 miles um, the ho- across the whole country. So we actually wanted, we were going to go to a Red Rock show and the bus broke down and um, in Nebraska, had to get fixed over time. It took a long time, so we missed it. But then we sort of picked up and went to a few other shows out west and did, um, you know, did the living living on the road kind of thing, eating out of our bus and, you know, washing and wherever. It, it was a great experience. We met lots of cool people. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know how to, I can't sum up that experience because it's so huge. Um, how long were you gone? Do you? We were remember? gone about three months. Wow. Yeah, and then had to come back because my mom was sick. But um, but that little part where we didn't get to go to the Red Rock show becomes important later. And like all these little things happen that later came back to remind us of those moments, or or happened because of other moments we had along the way. And he turned out to be a good choice for He's a good going choice. on tour. Yeah. <laughs> he definitely was a good choice, yes. Yes, he, he, um, he's a trooper. He, he became a deadhead. I don't know that, he, I don't know that it um, consumed him from the beginning as much as it did me, but because it, um, he knew it was so big for me, he rode the ride, and then it, it did. Mm-hmm. It seeped its way in, yeah. Did you meet any people on that tour that became friends, other people that you still know? So we didn't on that tour. Uh, We met lots of people, and we would see them from show to show. We didn't have any long-standing relationships with people um, beyond that, but we did meet up with our own friends along the way who would join us for shows, and so that, that was fun, just to sort of bring people to a new experience that they hadn't been... That is really nice. Yeah. That you can connect with people and introduce them to that. Right. What a great thing. How did you survive and pay your bills? I've always wanted to go on tour and never could <laughs> Okay, like I you could really do want it. So we by the time we hit um, Seattle, we were absolutely broke. Absolutely broke. We had seven dollars, I think. And we were smelly and dirty and we pulled in, and I said, let's go to the YMCA and get a shower. And so we, we went to the YMCA, and they said it was going to cost, um, I don't know, $5 a person. And we said, we don't have $5. And we started to walk away. They're like, just go. Just go use the shower. You need it. So we did that, and we got a newspaper because we had newspapers then. Um, and we we looked in the Help Wanted section, and this this is how these are the kinds of things that kept happening. We need two people for the next two days, $50 cash each person to work in this antique rug auction. We need a cashier and someone to hold up the rug. So can you believe that? I mean, when does that happen? Like you're going to get a job tomorrow and you're going to get paid cash and then you get to keep riding the ride. And they needed two people. And yeah, so we went and applied and... I was the cashier, and Kipper held up the rugs, and we worked for two days, and we did meet a really cool person there who let us stay in their house and took us back home and cooked a, this lovely meal for us, and 
and we got our money and we kept on going. So that is a grateful <laughs> dance story. Funny? It yeah. is. And this is also sort of it. We named the bus Vegas. Um, Kipper just thought it would be so much fun to get to Vegas in this bus. He had heard so much about it and thought it was just this really crazy place that we had to go. So we pulled into Vegas, we made it, and we were broke then too. I think at that point we had $16 and we thought we'll have to work here for a little bit too. So called my family, told them where we were. My dad said, oh, you're right by this casino that I love. You have to go and play, play cards over there. I said, Dad, I have $16. He said, well, you know, do what you got to do. So I said, come on, let's try it, Kipper. So we went and played this game, Let It Ride, that I had never played before. I didn't know what it was. It's didn't a know card to, game? It's a or? card game, like a table game. Uh-huh. And it was a dollar table. And so I put my money down and started winning and winning and winning and a guy came over and who was playing at a like higher stakes table and said I want to sit at this table but I want her to cut the cards the whole time so I did and ended up winning walking away 10 hours later with almost a thousand dollars I know <laughs> so that's what kept ha- like it's the and I still say it's the magic of the dead these mm-hmm. little things happen so you that, could stay on tour. So we could stay on tour. Do you yeah. remember, do you know how many shows you saw on that trip? I no. don't. That's I'm okay. not I didn't know that kind of tracker. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm not the detail one. It's sort of more like the. That's okay. And yeah. I even bundle it all into one almost in my head. That was that tour, mm-hmm. and it was that experience. And what year was it? So that must have been ninety. Okay, so just the next year. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 90, maybe 91. But I love yeah. how you're just like knee deep, quick. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh no, it got me. It got me and it kept me. Yeah. You were not only on the bus, you had the bus. Yeah. <laughs> we had the bus. Yes. That's so awesome. So I know you have another sort of epic story to tell and I want to get to it, but is there uh, anything else between that tour and the story we were going to follow well, on? Well, I think it, it really not a thing to tell Mm -hmm. as much as I still am just mind boggled at how I go to a show and people are just so cool. Mm -hmm. But I, and I think that's sort of my, it's not a story, but just so many experiences. I would be at a show and it would be a lot of my, the shows were on my birthday because I'm a summer birthday. So People know it's your birthday and they do these great things for you and give you necklaces off their body. And, you know, just, I think that it's not a thing as much as it is a a big, I don't know, big hug. It's like, it's just like this feeling more than it is a moment. Yeah. Well, and it, even in the magic of our knowing one another is really just because I got to meet Kipper and right, then right. found out that you were going to be at the Chicago Dead and Company shows and then we ran into each right, other, which yeah, twice, yeah, two different yeah. times. I'm like in this big city and this... I know. It's crazy. Yeah, and the last... So at that Chicago show we were just at, we had some other friends there and thought we'd hook up with them before, but it just didn't... You know how it goes. It just doesn't happen. And there was it was partway through the first night and we were on the floor just having a great time. And I looked at Kipper and, and Lynn and I said, come with me. We have to go somewhere. 
And they said, where? I said, I don't know, just come with me. So I, I was in the middle, I had one hand on Lynn, one hand on Kipper, we're walking through the crowd, dancing through the crowd. And I leave the floor, go up, we're in some seats, we're walking, and I said, I don't know, I wanna go there. So we, we're, we like worked our way into this uh, row, and somebody turns around, and it's our friends who we had been trying to find the whole weekend and try to, tried to hook up with, and they were in the row right in front of us. They said, Lisa, how did you know these were our seats? I said, I didn't. Something told me it was time to go and find a, find a new spot, and we did. That's great. So do you tend to move around at a show and um, hear I it do. from different places? Yes, I do. Like, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, I'll get a feeling like, all right, time to go. We have to go. Um, and often, I have really horrible seats but end up <laughs> right down front somehow. <laughs> I'm really good at it. And I think being five feet tall helps. Yeah. I can duck and dive and, yeah. Definitely. That's why I always avoid, like, the pit because I'm short and I feel like I just don't want somebody's back right in right, my face. Right, right. I like it for a little bit and then I like to move off to the side and then I like to go up to, the, you know, go to the back. Nice. Yeah. And you do end up meeting cool people when you do that. You yeah. just because every time you get to a new spot, they're like, hey, <laughs> you know, new friend. Yeah, at the most recent Dead and Company show, we were um, on the field for the first night, and we always danced like crazy. And at the, at the well, it was essentially the end of the first set, but it was because of the rain delay, and we had to right. get off of the field. And this young man was just, like, bouncing out of his shoes with excitement and he said it's my first show and I can't believe how lucky I am to dance with you guys and it made us feel so good like we didn't even realize he was right there dancing with us until yeah you know he said that and it just made me so happy to know that somebody was having that kind of initial experience yeah and that we could help them enjoy it so much and you know he's telling that story too I met this really cool woman from Ann Arbor you know got to dance with her yeah it is great that way yeah so tell me this crazy story of actually meeting the band right so also going back to that first the Alpine shows I remember that first night also saying I'm gonna meet them one day and every show I would always start with, I wonder if tonight's the night. And I always thought, I really did believe I was going to meet them. It just, I didn't know when, I didn't know where, I didn't know how. So I told you earlier that we um, never made it to the Red Rock show. And I had never seen, I still at this point had never seen a Red Rock show. So. And where are, what day, so it year was, are we now? Well, that, I was 38, so I'm 55 now. <laughs> right, that year? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that would be about 2004, yeah. something like that? Sure. Okay. And um, so Kipper surprised me, which if you know him, this is just fabulous because he's not the one who books the tickets, gets the airline, sets up someone to watch the kids. Like that was, I'm the logistics person. So somehow he surprised me and bought two nights at Red Rocks, got the hotel, arranged for my mom and dad to watch the boys and didn't tell me till that morning that we were leaving and going. And that was for my 38th birthday, which was going to be on that Sunday, also Father's Day. So I was so excited. Yes, we finally are going to make it to our Red Rock show. And we get to Denver and start walking around and there's this chalk art exhibit going on and we see Jeff. Jeff Comente? Yes. So we just went over, and we didn't want to bother him. We just said, hey, 
we'll see you later tonight. He's like, yeah, great. See you there. So we walk and walk. And I said, oh, there's Bobby's bus. And uh, so we stumbled upon Bobby's bus. And then I really, I remember looking at Kipper saying, this could be the night. I don't know. So then Bill Walton comes out and Kipper happened to have a Pistons shirt on. So he came out and we were laughing and talking. They were talking basketball. And then we said, all right, we'll see you later at the show tonight. And then Bob Weir walked out. Of his own bus. Well, he walked out of the hotel to get onto his bus to head to the show. So uh, my eyes got really wide and um, I just sort of stood there and he gave a little wave. He didn't say anything. And then Kipper said, can I just get a picture of my wife with you? So we did that. And I thought, wow, I met him. Great. That was the moment. So we go to the show, have a rocking good time. It was absolutely fabulous um met some really cool people the woman next to me i loved her story she's a nurse in denver and had just gotten off her shift wasn't going to go to the show and she thought why wouldn't i so she by herself just came and got a ticket in the parking lot and was next to us and sort of hung out and danced with us for the night and i thought that's really cool you know just she was exhausted but it was you know here i am and i'm doing it so anyway we have a great show and we're heading back into Denver after. And Kipper had taken note of where their hotel was, which you would think I would have, but I didn't. It, I had my moment, I thought, and that was that. So we go back to that spot, which I still don't even recognize as the hotel. And we go into the hotel bar, and it's just the band, Bill Walton, and that's it. That's who's in the bar and us, and that's it. And I walked in and I'm like, what do I do now? Like, how do I play this? I'm gonna be really chill. Bobby was up at the bar getting a drink. So I thought, all right, I'm gonna walk up. I'll order a drink. So I go up, I said, you know, hi, I'll have a vodka tonic. And he serious, Bobby turns to me, puts his hand out and says, hi, I'm Bobby. And I'm like really trying to maintain. And I looked and I said, I know you're Bobby, you're Bob Weir. I've seen you so many times. I know you because I look at you all the time and I know you don't know me. And I just went off, so uncool. Just really, I tried, I really did. And he turned and said, oh, you think I don't see you? I see you. We see our people, he said, and without you, we aren't us. And so, yes, I have seen you, but it's nice to formally meet you. And I said, it's my birthday. And I went off, like just, you know, had this silly conversation. And then I settled and um, I can't even tell you what we talked about, but we just talked like normal, just like normal humans. And then um, Bill kind of goes like this to me and I walk over and he said, hi, I'm Bill. I, I was like, yes, I know you're, I, and then went off and did the now same. Now are you talking about the drummer? Or, yes, okay, yes. Not Bill Walton. And that, no, okay. we, he came up as I was talking to Bill. Okay. And he puts his big hand, Bill Walton walks up, puts his big hand on my shoulder, and he says, rocking good Terrapin tonight, wasn't it? <laughs> I said, yes, it sure was. It sure was. <laughs> so... We just are mingling as if we belong there and talking. And they had some friends join them who also came and introduced themselves and just having this magical moment. And, um, yeah, every time I think about it. 
So as we're in the middle of all this, the bartender says, I'm sorry, it's 2 a.m. and we have to close. Um, you know, I'm really sorry. And I'm thinking, that's fine. Like, I can walk out. This was absolutely perfect. Yeah, I can float out. I can float out. And I am walking over to say bye. And Bobby says, well, if you guys want to just come up to our room with us, you can hang out with us. I said, what? Of course we want to. So we follow them up to their room. It was, and honestly, I can't even remember. It was maybe a suite. There was a, I don't remember the details of the room or there were lots of people again introducing themselves. And um, the funny part is their wives were there and um, Bobby's wife came over and she said, don't you get sick of listening to this music? And I said, never, it's all I listen to. And she said, I want to hear some stones. And they put on the Rolling Stones and we're just standing there, arms around each other, dancing. And it was just so wonderful and just such a fun, silly moment. And it must have been, I don't know what time it was. I, I just remember looking at Kipper and saying, my heart is so full right now. I actually can't take any more in. Let's just sneak out the door and let's just go and just remember this and, and just feel it. And just feel it. It's all I could do. And we did. We just drifted out. And um, the funny thing is, Kipper doesn't think it's so funny. The next morning we wake up and I said, you know, Phil was not there and neither was Mickey. We could go look for their bus. I think I saw Phil's bus. So Kipper said, are you serious? I said, I am. I really am. So we did drive out. And was it the morning of the second show? Yes. Still... The, we, we still hadn't lived the mm -hmm. second show. And um, we get, we drive around and we do see Phil's bus. And I can't remember the hotel it was in front of, but it was a nice hotel. And it was Father's Day as well as my birthday that day. So we go in and they were serving brunch and it was, I think, $40 a person for brunch. So we said, all right, this is ridiculous. We're not going to meet him in there anyway. So let's just go to the diner across the street. So we go to this little diner, small, no weight diner. And we're sitting there, and I said, Kipper, are you, are you a, um, have you signed up to be an organ donor? Because you know how Phil does his uh, donor rap. And he said, why are you asking? I said, I don't know. Turn your license over. I said, you're not. I said, if Phil walked through that door right now, and as I'm saying it, he did. <laughs> Phil and his wife and a group of people walked in, <laughs> and my jaw hit the table. And I'm just, I couldn't move, I couldn't eat, I couldn't breathe. It was too weird. I, I couldn't have set that up. And so I waited, and I didn't want to bother him on, on um, Father's Day, but I had to tell a piece of it because it was too weird. So I walked over, and Phil said, okay, now we're going to get the story because when we walked in, we saw your face, and we knew there was something behind it. I said, I'll give you the short version. So I did. And he said, Kipper, give me your license. And he took his license and he signed. He's his witness. Phil is uh, his yes. witness as an organ donor? Yes. And awesome. he, Yep. And he signed the back. And I said, I'm really sorry for bothering you. I said, and I just want to say that um, your broken arrow last night had me in tears. I, I was crying through the entire thing. It was the most beautiful broken arrow. And... He's like, all right. And I said, I won't get to see you again till Detroit, but I, I think Detroit was going to be August and this was June. I said, I'll see you there. 
and maybe it was July, I'm not sure. Um, he's like, all right, great, see you there. And he played Broken Arrow in Detroit. And I really like to think it's because you I- You were there. Yeah, because I told him it was so beautiful and I'm gonna be in Detroit and he gave me a Broken Arrow, yeah. And then we ended up going to the show that night. Of course, now we are really just drifting. We're just floating. And we get there and we're down front. Oh, and Bill had said to Kipper, we were having that conversation, like, do you really see us? Or are you just saying you see us? And they, they all insisted they see us. And Bill said, to prove it, tomorrow I'm going to point you, I'm going to find you in the audience and I'm going to point to you. So they huddled up right before they came out. They were on stage, but before they started, they huddled up. They opened the huddle and started scanning. And Bill took his drumstick and found us and went like that. <laughs> pointed right at you. Yes, and everyone's like, why are they pointing at you? Why? We said, we can't even tell you the whole story. Just know that they told us that they would, and they did. <laughs> I, know. I mean, it just, it was from start to finish, and it was... All because we missed them when we were supposed to see them mm-hmm. how many years ago. And Kipper said it's the right time. And I love it. And we had that moment. I like to think that Wally has something to do with all of this. You know, what I, you, I always think so. I, I do. I think he is just watching and just cracking up. Mm-hmm. Like, ha ha, <laughs> told you. That's so, a beautiful isn't story. It? Yeah, they're just amazing. I just... Um, it, it, there, yeah, there's no one else like them, and mm-hmm. there's no other place like a dead show. There just isn't. Mm-hmm. Well, let's take just a little break. All right. Once I had a girlfriend, she meant the world to me. She went down to Deep Ellum, now she ain't what she used to be. Oh, sweet mama, daddy's got them deep Ellum Welcome back. So I've got Lisa here, and I wanted to switch gears then and talk a little about your own creative life, which is one of the things I'm interested in with this podcast. And I don't know if you want to share anything about the ways that you do your own creative self-expression or if you have an artistic or creative life in any particular way. And So inside me, I do. I have... um, I, nature would, I would say, I I like to express myself through natural things, rocks, leaves, flowers. It's in me, and I have lots of ideas, um, and it's really hard for me to get them out sometimes. And and sometimes just having the idea makes me feel like I actually created something and and did it, and I'm happy with just that much of it. But... um, Yes, I, I um, it's a tr- that's a tricky question because I'm not a producer of art things, um, but I feel like dance, I, I really get into dancing, especially at dead shows, um, is a way that, that I um, sort of turn my brain off and let the true me just exist. And so I think dance is one way that happens. Um, 
Yeah, that, I, I find that I'm not quite sure how to answer that. I have well, to I'd love to ask you more about dancing because that's my, I also feel that way. You know, I make mm-hmm. my living with words. And mm-hmm. one of the things I love about dancing at a show is all that yes. goes away. Yes. And I also feel like I don't know how my body knows to move in time and so creatively. I feel like I'm not doing it. Like it's something coming through me. Yeah. And I don't feel that in any other part of my life. I don't feel I have that same level of um, uninhibited self-expression. And so, yeah, I'd love to hear you talk a little more about your dance experience. That's so true. Sometimes I... um, it truly is my mind is off and my body just takes over. Mm-hmm. It, 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 I feel it from the inside, just almost like this heat just moving through. And I um, I often I'll stop mid-dance because I realize I'm doing things that I would have never thought to do. If I actually had to choreograph the dance or or think of it ahead of time and then go perform it, I would never think to do what I'm actually doing and that my body just very fluidly moves and that's partly how I get down down on the floor too because I, I actually am I can almost see the path and I can move through that path without bumping into anybody and mm-hmm. just and it's not me thinking about it at all my body just seems to know what to do and I, I am fascinated by that and you can ask my family at home we could be sitting there talking they put the dead on and I start dancing. I don't even do it on purpose. Right. So there is the connection with the dead that has sparked that. And I don't know if that's why immediately I connected to it. Um, Had you danced in your life before those shows? Not like that, no. Um, you know, I did the formal ballet dancing. You know, I was a gymnast and did, you know, structured, choreographed things. And no, no, I never did. But I also, it, um, they bring, they do bring out this want to be creative. I guess that's sort of what I was trying to say earlier. I ideas are fed in me. After I go to shows, I find I tend to get all these great ideas, which nine times out of ten, nothing happens. Mm-hmm. Like I just can't make them happen. But I had the idea that I think is sparked through that music and through that dance. It just it gives an energy into a part of me that the energy wasn't there before. Right. You like open the portal. Yes. And I really would love to follow through and do some things, but it's just enough sometimes yeah, just to have sure. that and that idea. I think it is because even when I had the idea to do this podcast and I told it to one of my friends who's not a deadhead but yeah. knows that I have this long interest, and I said, you know, I probably won't do it because i got a lot of other stuff going on. And I said... But that's like me. I often come up with ideas and never do them. I said, but you know, I'd much rather have lots of ideas I never do than no ideas. Right, exactly. I'm not lacking ideas. And I do, uh, you know, tie-dye obviously is a a part of the whole scene, and we will occasionally dabble in some tie-dye and and try and, you know, try out a few different, you know, just things that go along with the whole scene. But... Yeah, I, I do think it is just the um, let the letting the energy just sort of be and go where it wants to mm-hmm. go. Do you think that being a deadhead is apparent in your home? Uh, you know the way you've 
decorated your own home? I've never seen your home, so I don't know. Yeah, you'll have to come over. Um, absolutely. I have not only um, just dead posters and stickers and few steelies and a few, you know, uh, the right? stuff. The actual. The actual stuff. But I also, the drumming, I've, I became um, a lover of drums after going to the dead. So we do have a collection of some drums and just tapestries and just, yeah, it's in everything I do. I think it, it absolutely is in everything I set up, even in my classroom. I How think. is it in your classroom? Just, I think because it's such a feeling-driven thing for me, um, I, if I can match the space to that feeling, um, then I know it's right. So I do bring lots of naturey things in and just, I wait till I have that feeling and then I know I've set it up right. If that makes sense. Can you talk about that a little more? Like, um, yeah, I can try. It's a hard thing to explain. Um, so, again, like that feeling at a show where you're maybe satisfied is the word, maybe content, maybe at that feeling of, ah, it's all right. Everything mm. is good and right. That feeling is what I want in my home, of course, right? I want this to be the place that's, ah, it's right. So uh, as I'm moving things around and setting things up, when that moment, when you have that feeling, you know it's right, yeah. I, if that makes sense. So in my classroom, I spend a lot of time really getting my classroom to feel right. So when kids come in, they have that ah, this is a cool place to be and I'm right where I should be and I'm going to match this space with, with who I am. That's if that makes wonderful. sense. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to explain a lot of these things, isn't it? Because it, it is. is so emotionally and feeling driven. Um, yeah. I wonder if the kids feel it in their, you know, in their own way without knowing sort of where that's coming from for you, but that they feel, ah, when they walk into your room. I think so. I do think so. Um, and even sometimes other adults, a lot, adults come in my room a lot and um, often they'll say, I just needed a place to go to just, ha, ah, you know, just to be. And so I think it's there. It's not nothing you would name or but it's there. Mm -hmm. Do parents know that you're a deadhead? Does that ever come up? So it does. I don't um, outright say it, but if, if there's a moment where it, it's the right time to say it, I do. And I have to say I got the best end of your gift last year. I had just this wonderful student who was creative and fun, and um, parents are musicians, and... Um, the dad used to work for a record store, and he gave me a single touch of gray as a single from back in the day when he had the record store, and um, it was one that was a promotional record. I was like, this is so much better than a mug. <laughs> <laughs> this is the coolest ever. Um, so yeah, there. I think there are people who want to hear it and maybe people who wouldn't appreciate it, so I don't share it, but... Yeah, not not because I think, yeah, it, yeah, there's no reason to not share it other than I don't think they would be as interested as some other people. Yeah, well, how great, what a nice thing. Wasn't that so, I know, it was so special. Especially at the end of such a hard year last I know, year. I know, it was great. 
Well, that was most of the things I wanted to ask you about, Lisa. Is there anything else you'd like to share on Deadhead Girl Talk? Um, not really, other than I just think I've taken lots of people to their first show just to expose them to it. Some of them caught on and kept on going, and others were like, thanks, you know, and I'm going to move my own way. Um, I just think it would be great who, for whoever's listening, um, you know, grab a hand of someone and take them to their first show because the more deadheads, the better. <laughs> it's a good group of people. That's a great suggestion. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, sure. Deadhead Girl Talk is produced by Steph Terrace, that's me, with my audio engineer, Liam Cadel. Our awesome original music is performed by Sally Van Meter, Casey Groves, and Abigail Washburn, and engineered by Eric Wiggs. Art for the show is created by Lisa F. And Armstrong and by Sparkles Kate. You can follow us on Twitter at Deadhead Talk. <laughs>